0: Hey guys, Courtney here. Welcome back to the podcast and on this edition we have Kalala Bay product, Benny Atkins. He's Born with cerebral palsy, growing up in the Shellhaven, loved his football He always dreamed about playing for the Pararoos and he achieved that dream just before he turned 20 and since then he's played for three World Cups, played just under 100 games for the Pararoos. We talk about his journey, what the Pararoos have done for his life and what his life would be without the Pararoos, and the exciting news that they're playing their first home game against Canada at the end of this month, the first time in 19 years they've played on home soil. Benny's never played on Australian soil, so I hope you guys enjoyed this chat as much as I did. So, Ben, let's start from the beginning. When and why did you start playing the World Game?
1: The World Game, great question. Honestly, I think it was you know, my parents being scared that I would hurt myself playing rugby Um so, when we moved down the coast from Sydney, I'd have been about four, and they wanted me to sort of find some friends and stuff. They put me into a, a team with the Colbar Cougars. Um, so, that, hit, that was my introduction, and I sort of fell in love with it from
0: there. From four, so then you progressed, so you play with um, the Colborough Cougars. Did you ever play with any other clubs in the Shoalhaven? Yeah, so I
1: started with the Colbar Cougars for a couple of years. Uh, and then when the Brumbies uh, separated from the Cougars uh, back in, uh, I reckon, 96, maybe
0: 97, Yeah, moved over to koala and was there with koala for the next 18, 19 years, I reckon. Awesome. Um, you mentioned obviously your parents didn't want you to play rugby league. Was there any other sports you played growing up apart from football?
1: No man, I was one of those weird kids that just fell in love with football and didn't try anything else. I was, I think, I was a bit too scared to try anything else. Yeah. Um, but part, of, partly, I found the the Paralympic program fairly young when I was about nine, and was hoping to I was to make this train team at one stage. So, I got quite obsessed with trying to get as as good as I can to
0: uh, to make that make that um, transition across. What was it about football that attracted you and kept you so enthralled through your junior years and obviously your senior years? Um,
1: good question. I think, for me, it was, for the earlier years, from what I can remember, from between the ages of like four and nine, it would have been because I didn't really have that many friends at school and the friends I'd made through soccer um, I got on fairly well with. So it was more of a belonging or like a social aspect of it. And then I stumbled across stumbled across the Pararoos through my parents playing against a, a young fellow at the time, Pat Grant, who played for Husky. Um, and mum and dad realised that he actually had cerebral palsy. So they approached him after the game and asked if there were any pathways for people with cerebral palsy people with disabilities and he got fund to the New South Wales program and from there that's where the the love really grew Uh, and yeah, I haven't really looked back since.
0: You mentioned cerebral palsy, you were actually born with it, so how did you and uh, your parents sort of deal with it growing up? To
1: be honest I didn't really deal with it that well. Mum and Dad didn't really know what to expect um, when they first found out about the diagnosis. I thought I'd be firstly wheelchair down, if not, not be not be able to be independent. Um, and then I didn't really have anybody to relate to. And so, it was fine. honestly finding the, the New South Wales Airport Policy Team that sort of helped me come to terms with it completely and uh, to learn to, to come to terms with it, I suppose.
0: Was there ever a time a cerebral palsy stopped you from playing sport? Uh, maybe climbing trees? It hasn't really stopped me playing sport. Yeah. I, remember, I remember vaguely or very clearly, actually, that all well, my cousins could climb trees and I couldn't. But apart from that, it hasn't really limited me from doing too much. You mentioned inclusion. That's one of the reasons why you think football's been so important to dealing with cerebral palsy. Is there any other reason you think football's been such a galvanizing factor in your life? I think
1: it's it's taught me who I am. And it's given me the opportunity to go overseas and really develop a, a level of independence which I don't think I would have had if I didn't play football. Like going overseas with the Australian team for weeks at a time Coaching staff sort of just leave you to your own own devices. You've got to really grow up and mature quite quickly. Um, and I think without that, or I, I guarantee, without without parades, without soccer or football, I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am today. I guarantee.
0: It. Oh, that's awesome. You mentioned school. You um, said school was quite tough um, with cerebral palsy.
1: Yeah, I. Quite well at school academically. Yeah, I, I felt that I didn't really do as well socially. I had a group of friends that were great, but they were the kind of friends you hang out with school and not really hang out with outside of school. Okay. So it was only it was only until I sort of found the again I suppose I keep coming back to it, but until I found the Paroo's, that so I found a, a group that I could really relate to. And it's funny though because prior to going into quote unquote disabled sport, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to bother. I didn't want to be sort of classified as somebody that hung out with other disabled people or people with disabilities. <laughs> and as soon as I as soon as I found the team I felt like I'd actually come home. So I always sort of had this perception that people with disabilities were weird or weren't didn't have the, the social acumen to sort of fit into society and live an independent life. And when I when I stumbled across the team, or when I sort of introduced the team, I found that most of the guys in the team were quite cool, which was obviously important as a kid. They they had decent jobs and they were pretty well adjusted. And yeah, it's, um,
0: sorry, I go I go rambling on different tangents. So if I... Um, no, that's fine. Talking, just let me know. No, nah, the, the more the merrier. The, it's, it's, that's, that's what a <laughs> podcast is. You and I can just chat and if I hear something that you say, we can just go off on like that. Yeah. So you've obviously mentioned the Pararoos a fair bit and obviously since the age of nine you sort of dreamed of playing them. But when did you really think it was a realistic goal that this could be something I could do? I would
1: have been about
0: 14. Okay. And I made the, the Australian was, I uh,
1: suppose, in preparation. Oh, I might have been a bit older, I would have been, or 2007, and they were probably going to the World Cup uh, in Brazil. And I felt like I'd done enough to make the squad, But when I didn't get the call up to the team, I was devastated, I was heartbroken. I got a call from the head coach corporate at the time, and he said that I wasn't good enough, and um, I hadn't, kind of earned the spot well that's what I heard anyway uh, and it was at that moment that I didn't want to let anybody else control the outcomes in my life and I uh, from the, I think it was I can guarantee it was from that day on every morning I was up training 100%, 100% and I hadn't taken making the power that seriously up until that point point. Uh, and that was that was I knew that it was in my control. I knew that I would make it. And then the next year, I was fortunate enough to make the, the squad to go to Canada
0: and I suppose the rest of the future. You see so many stories like that in sport. Obviously, the Australian Test cricket team is a great example. There's all these guys that get dropped, like you have the, the War Brothers, Michael Clark, wow. who get dropped and then come back, they work on their craft and come back and then they're just world beaters. And that one sort of step back for you has sort of acted as the catalyst and then. So you moved to also uh, well, you made your debut in two thousand and eight on May thirty one, um, yeah. for the Paris against Canada. Talk us through the emotions when you found out you were going to make your debut. Well, it's funny. Like
1: I was actually meant to make my debut the game before against Russia, who are currently world number one. And the way the way the sport works is it's the classification system. So depending on the severity of your, of your cerebral palsy, Determine what classification are. So the most of the more severe, the lower classification that you have to have a certain amount of players with that particular class, classification on the pitch once at all times. So I, as part of the initiation process, I suppose to get before classification, once or the coaching staff want to make sure that disability is as obvious as possible. So we get put through a bit of a torture session beforehand, and. For the Canada trip, that torture session was just spare, spare runs, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I was wrecked afterwards. And I think our game, I was a classified of the seven, which was pretty good. The, our game was the next day against Russia. And I woke up and I, my legs were done. And I didn't want to let the team down, but so I kind of feigned injuries and said to the coach, look, I know you, you're going to start me, but uh, I don't think I'm ready. I, I still can't walk. I don't know if that was partly fear or partly... I think it was a big part of was it was fear 16. I didn't really want to play against the world number one. And so I ended up playing in the, in the game against Canada a few days later. And we we lost 1-0. That's probably still the best goal I've scored in my career. I of a header from that opposing corner and went top left. And unfortunately it was obviously for Canada and not for us. So <laughs> So to, to score on debut was amazing. Unfortunately, it's the other team. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think I was in the
0: sleep that night and I thought they'd send me home, but uh, they didn't. And uh, fortunately, I suppose. Well, it's so good that you can remember like your first game. So can you remember like, what you were feeling like walking onto the field for the first time in the green and gold? Oh, honestly, I was packing it in I didn't think
1: I was good enough. I didn't think I'd earned the spot to be there. I And throughout my career, I've, I always, I'm the kind of player that's never calm before a game. I need to go to the toilet eight times, and uh, still need to go when we're walking up to the National Anthem, and I'm always in my head. Um, so even back then, that was, that was the start of it. And it's weird, like, in the lead up to the game, I'm not actually enjoying the preparation
0: I'm kind of just can't wait for it
1: to be over. Does that make sense? Yeah. Only been,
0: if it, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, you, in a way, like you said before, you didn't want to, there was the fear of you, you didn't want to, like, let your country down as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was just pressure. I put on myself. And it's only been recently, probably the last, you know, probably the last two or three years where that, that sort of dropped away. And I've just enjoyed just playing. So, yeah, it was, like, the feeling, the emotions, like obviously, it's incredible to represent country
0: but there was it <laughs> was a lot more fear than enjoying at the time. So after your debut, is that when you made the move back to Sydney to sort of train full-time with the team? Yeah, oh, Actually, I think I was
1: still in year 11 or 12. So once I'd finished, oh, it would have been 2011, maybe 2012, I decided to move to Sydney. And have, make a real yeah. crack at it. And yeah, have a little crack at it because I moved in with a couple of teammates and uh, just sort of get out, of, get out in an the and
0: try and get a bit of independence. And it's probably the, the best decision of my life. How was it, sort of changing from obviously the South Coast lifestyle to ch- tra- changing to the Sydney lifestyle, and did it all make the fact that um, this all a bit more serious? The fact that you're living out there, training more often, and, and being around, like you said, teammates who you're living with. Yeah, definitely,
1: definitely. It was a bit of a, a bit of a sh- culture shock, and about three or four. I thought well, I was in the Hammonds' phase, the first two months. It was all going great, and then I had a bit of a, a mental health crash, I suppose, um, and went so into a bit of a, a case of depression, and came back down through the next four or five months, and went into my shell a lot. Uh, but one side. Very uh, dark. Once I uh, got through that, I had to move back up there and just sort of hit my straps and went from strength to strength. You, you learn a lot about yourself when you're as you push as you push
0: yourself out of your comfort zone. Oh, absolutely. Without going too much into it, like how do you sort yeah. of get yourself out of that, that dark place you're in? Well, I'm, I'm happy to go into it. Um, yeah. I don't,
1: I think it was just time, and as I think the thing with my life is not putting too much pressure on myself. Um, I, I set my standards so high that I, a lot of the time I struggled to, to live up to them, and I sort of just had to take a stop with where, where my life was at. I thought I'd be a lot further ahead than I was, even though I was probably 21 and I expected to be. Be a lot further ahead than I was and it was just
0: a bit of a bitter pill to swallow but once i swallowed that pill it was just, yeah it was, it was weird, it was just quick one day. Well I think there's a lot of, like I think most young people go through that especially like they finish high school and then they either transition into oh, like your taste or university, start a job and then you get to the age like 21, 22, 23 and you're like well, this isn't where I expected my life to be. And you have a bit of reality shock. And I think most, like I definitely went through that um, when I okay. finished university. Like, you just, because I went overseas and traveled and stuff and then you get back and you're just trying to find your way in the world a little bit. And I think everyone goes through that. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And you're not really taught how to deal with it. Like, you sort of, you just have to deal
1: with it yourself. Or just, it's, I think mental, mental health is becoming a lot better or the, the, how do I put it,
0: that side of life is more what's more prevalent in today's society like there's so many more yeah, like definitely. like headspace and all those like the black dog foundation all those things are helping with mental health and yeah I think I think people people are more uh, willing to talk about it, especially in men now I think there's obviously been that persona about like there's like the not weak to speak campaign and stuff like that and I think it's, yeah. there's heaps of professional athletes like yourself who are sort of Happy to speak about it.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that the stigma definitely is, is, I don't think it's completely gone, but it's definitely going. Mm. And it's important. Like I wish, I think, I think that's why I'm so comfortable talking about it now, because I've spoken to a lot of the younger players in the Paro's and people outside of the team as well, or friends and family who go through similar similar experiences. And I think it's just knowing that other people are going through that makes all the difference. Where so you feel like you're not alone. Even though when you're actually going through it, you feel like you're you're so alone, and nobody would be able to relate, and nobody be able to, to understand what you're going through.
0: Yeah, well, everyone has their own um, problems they're going through. Um, but you mentioned 100. You um you mentioned uh, the Pararoos is your greatest achievement to date. Why do you think that is?
1: It's always been my my safe place. Uh, even if everything else is going all right, I know that tomorrow I'll wake up and get a training session, in. and the the players in the team, who I call my best friend I can rely on, and they'll they'll be able to relate to understand what I'm going through if I'm going through a difficult time. i always it's, it's always been there, um, and it's given me purpose. It's. Yeah, it's just been—I'm so indebted to the team, and to the sport that I'll never be able to repay it. I, I honestly, I don't think that I would be here now if it wasn't
0: for Parramatta. Well, it's just fantastic. Like you obviously see, just not you. I, I, especially when you guys—I was coming, you guys do the World Cup this year. You just see in those videos and photos they shared. Just the emotions on everyone's faces, especially like when you scored a goal or you won a game, like how much it meant to every single one of the players, the coaches, the support staff around the team. Yeah, no,
1: definitely, and I think it's it's more than just what happens on the field. Obviously, on the field performances are very important, very enjoyable. But it's it's having a vehicle, a platform to to show the kids coming through that. It's okay to not be alright and it's okay to have cerebral palsy. And and being able to do that through sport, which is such a, a key part of our culture, it gives us a platform to, to really change
0: life. Couldn't agree more. So since yeah. your debut in 2008, you've uh, gone on to represent the Parous 70 times. Like, I can't imagine that was a number you thought you'd ever get to after your <laughs> debut and you're, and you're still going now.
1: Yeah, uh, especially after the first home goal I thought that, that was the my <laughs> last game. To be honest, <laughs> no, it's um, it, I I haven't had much time to reflect on on my career just yet. I just feel like I still have a lot a lot to give. Although my girlfriend probably isn't too happy with that answer. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's. it's uh, yeah, it feels like I'm still every tournament I go on, I still feel like it's my first tour. So to know that I've played, played seventy times, it's it's pretty special.
0: Do you want to get to hundred? Is that a goal? Oh, between you and me,
1: uh, definitely. If you know, if I was down to have the chat with my girlfriend, probably not. I'm happy to retire next year, but uh, no, definitely. I think that's a big, big goal of mine. Uh, one of my one of my best mates, Chris Pine, just cracked hundred just this year at Spain, and um, Mark Schwartz was actually there for the game. I
0: saw that. And, uh, yeah, that was super cool.
1: It was unbelievable. And, like, we didn't realise it was him until after the game. We'd come off the pitch and, and sort of shaking hands with everybody and celebrating the win. And then I looked over, and it was Mark Schwartz, and I thought sort I of had to do a double-take. I'm like, surely that can't be Mark Schwartz. And, yeah, obviously it was him, and... He, uh, it was, it was very special for Chris. It was, uh, it was good to be a part of. to oh, somebody who it, I, was, I lived with him for quite a number of years. and He had a huge uh, impact on my career and on me personally. Um, was, I'd love to love to get that that number, that magic number.
0: Oh, and there would not be too many guys in Paris' history that would have cracked the three figures, surely.
1: No, he, he's the first, and David Barber, our current captain, he's close. I mean, he's on kind on of ninety-nine caps.
0: Wow, you'd be a pretty illustrious group. Yeah,
1: still a long way away though. Thirty games, like yeah, it's a long, a long way away. And it's a, weird, it's weird because I'm, I'm really getting in the early stages of my career now, so it's a bit of a balancing act between relationship, sport, and career, and it's something I'm still trying to come to terms with. Well, well I at think. There the got... you go. Sorry, I was just going to say I feel like I've got a good balance at the moment but
0: um, you never know what happens. Like this time last year I wasn't really enjoying soccer anymore and I thought I'd give it away. But um, I found a, a renewed enjoyment in it. And yeah, it's the so at the moment I, I feel like that, that goal is definitely achievable. What was it that, I didn't realise you So you, you weren't feeling football 12 months ago, what was it that sort of was the catalyst to get you
1: back on the, um, the train? Oh, Was there a moment? At the moment, so I, I put on a bit of weight. I wasn't uh, looking after myself, and I thought, oh, actually, it wasn't. Like, it was it was a training session I was doing with the Kangaroos boys, and the young 15, 16 year olds were running the rings around me. So I never thought I'd sort of created this perception of myself that I was on a higher level than that, and uh, I was a bit of a shock to the system that then closed the gap quite dramatically. And, I sort of just—it's—I always seem to be motivated, motivated by a bit of a chip on my shoulder, mm-hmm. and I've sort of found that, uh, suppose, which isn't a good thing in a sense, but I found the, the motivation through a bit of a, a negative, uh, motiv- negative—what's the word? Motivation or negative stim-
0: stimulation? You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, you know what
1: I mean.
0: Yeah, and then you—you uh, you went on like a—you changed your diet pretty significantly as yeah. well.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I changed my diet, started training twice a day, and uh,
0: yeah, it sort of just gave me a bit of discipline, or gave me a lot of discipline, and gave me a lot of self-confidence, because I could start to trust myself again. Why did you decide to go down that avenue with the new diet, and did you see sort of benefits straight away? Oh, the diet, I was just trying to challenge myself, like
1: sort of create a bit of, I'd fallen off the bandwagon in most areas: job, uh, soccer, relationship. I was just getting lazy. Uh, I deal best when I've got a set of rules to work work um, with. So I felt that I've done pretty well in, with diet in the past. So I just sort of cut out all the all the twisties I was eating and uh, started just started from day one and tried to get to day two and then get to day three and I knew it. I was a day 75,
0: and I dropped about 10 kilos. Took 100,000 times better. Just more confident, more more sure of myself. That's so good. Um, see, so you've mentioned uh, Spain. Spain was the third World Cup that you actually went to. You went to the Netherlands in 2011, England in 2015, and then obviously Spain this year. How special is each one in their own way? I imagine, obviously, the first one being the because it's the first one was probably. Always hold a special place in your heart.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's honestly something I never thought I'd achieve. And even when you say it now, it doesn't feel real. It's it, as a kid, like when I was when I wrote down in my Year Six uh, yearbook, I said one number one goal was to play for the Pararoos. and to to achieve that and to go three World Cups just blows my mind away. It's, um, uh, it's healing, really man. It's um, uh, it wasn't easy, but um, it's
0: it's pretty special. And where's the uh, is are they already planned out? Twenty twenty three World Cup. Where's that going to be at? Well, that's a good question. I'm not sure if they might have
1: released it. I haven't looked at the schedule yet. Um, I it would be nice if it was in Australia, but uh, I'm not too sure exactly where it is. I think it might be. It'd be in Europe
0: somewhere, most probably. Well, that's on the. the, Yeah, the other three have been in Europe. Is is that sort of a long term goal? Like four years away? A lot can happen in four years. You're telling me. Yeah, at the moment,
1: definitely. Um, We've got a very good young squad. At the moment, I think when we're in Spain, the average age of the the midfield was 18. Wow. Um, And I'm. I'm very close to a lot of the boys, almost all the boys in the team. So to see them coming through the ranks, I'd love to see them at their peak uh, and play a bit of a different role, even on, uh, yeah, play a bit of a different role over the next few years. They're pushing out of the midfield, pushing back into the fence. And it's good because I can sort of just be lazy at the back while they do all the running up front. <laughs> 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 but um, no, I'd like i definitely like to be. I think the big goal is still to. to do the,
0: Make captaincy. Awesome. Um, so, if I can do that, that'd be pretty special. Is that sort of something that's on the radar You've you've chatted with the coaches about?
1: Yeah, I'm in the leadership group and the current, the current captain, the captain and vice captain, or, one of the, the captain and one of the vice captains, are both, they should be in an aged care facility. they're both, I think, over the third, four, <laughs> over. Um, but they just keep holding on to dear life. Chris Pine and Dave Barber both started the sport in '99, and it's now 2019. I think they get the hint and sort of... (laughs) That's too good. They don't. uh, Hopefully, hopefully next week... Like they've got to take these inner frames on the plane with every every tool we got. Just oh. <laughs> getting through the metal. The metal
0: detector. Oh god, you're just getting the pot shots in while you can, aren't you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm trying to anyway. <laughs> but uh. they will on the other foot. But uh, no, that is It is definitely a goal. Um, I, I it depends when they retire. They just tend to hold on to dear life. Like is forty now. She so turned forty over in Spain, and um, Chris is thirty six. You'd think they give the
0: younger boys a shot, but maybe not. I think your day will definitely come. During this, <laughs> uh, during this 70 games, is there any other games that sort of stick out to you? Like, geez, I played well that game, or jeez, I scored a cracking goal that game? Yeah, look, I've played 70 games,
1: I've only scored eight goals, so every, all eight of the goals definitely stand out, and unfortunately, a couple of them came absolutely punished to the Asian nation. But one game that really stands out is a game in Denmark against Spain in 2016. When we lost our funding a few years ago, a few years prior um, from the Australian Sports Commission, they cut our funding and the sort of the, the program was put put on the shelf. Uh, and then from a lot of work in the background from a few special people, we uh, we developed a bit of a, like, a good relationship with the FSA and the Australian Sports Foundation, and. Denmark was our first tour back. We had one camp together, and Denmark was a qualification tournament for the for the World Championships the following year. And it was still in that sort of weird, weird spot where if we didn't do well in Denmark, we probably wouldn't go on any other tours. So we kind of needed results. And the first game against Spain, we needed to beat them to qualify the weird group group dynamic where whoever won one game went through and uh, we had one one camp together, nobody had really seen each other for eighteen months and Spain had beaten us I think, might be wrong but I think they beat us last time we first and we beat them 2-0 and it was one of the best feelings, best wins of my career. That and a game in 2017 against Argentina. We, uh, it was our final game of, of the tournament. Argentina, at the time, were ranked fourth in the world. We were ranked 15th or 16th. We, the last time we played Argentina, a 13 old rubbing and they just walked us off the path. It's unbelievable. It was one of the worst, worst games in my career. And the team's performance was shocking. We, I went into that game, rolled my ankle, warm up, didn't want to play because I was too scared to, to get demolished again. We we went out. We it ended up one all at full time. Went to extra time, and unfortunately, that scored uh, in the final moments of the game. And just to know that we could compete with a with the top four, or top five nation, which we've never in my my career, I've never been able to do. We've always by the top four top five top six teams because they're all full time programs and we're a bit of a part time
0: pub squad um, it was that was one of the those two really stand out absolutely you mentioned in there about the um, the cut of the funding and stuff and how hard that was so how hard was it for all you players sort of going through that and being the uns- the, the uncertain nature of like yes we're playing yes there's the Pararoos and then what 18 months, 24 months of like, no, there's no peruse, and then it starts to come back again.
1: It was, oh man, it, was it was brutal. I, um, I remember it receiving. It was a, they told wow. us uh, like email. You, wow. You're expecting to, to go into a camp in the next few months, and then all of a sudden, this email saying that there's no program. I like, was, it was devastating, and I didn't realise. At the time I didn't realise how important the program was for my own well-being and I was just I was in a daze and most of the other players, which we, we didn't realise, didn't know what to do, um, and it was only us taking it upon ourselves to, to kick start the program that it sort of came back to life and then a few other obviously corporate stakeholders got involved and the FSA helped out and the Australian Sports Foundation kicked in. Um, and that, that 18 months were brutal. I was lost, alone. I, just, I didn't know what to do with myself. I just went to work, came home, and just, that was pretty much it. And uh, that was that was the catalyst for us. Yeah, I, I believe that's the catalyst for our success at home. Each time we go from strength to strength because we don't feel like it's a, it's a it's an entitlement thing anymore. Like to be honest, before, before we lost the findings, we just expected to go to overseas on tournaments. We just expected the funding to be there. So we weren't really giving it a hundred percent. I know I wasn't anyway. And after the after the uh, we got the funding back, we knew that it could go at any time. So in Denmark we, we we did unreal in Argentina the following year we finished tenth, which we hadn't finished tenth in a tournament from back till maybe two thousand 2010. It just goes to show, like how that mindset shifts and
0: make all the difference. Even though we're
1: working
0: teams, like Argentina, oh, who all paid to play, all paid, all play full time, we can actually match with them. and if not, go close to the them. Wow, just yeah, I can't it was imagine how new, yeah, I can't imagine how tough it was, and then yeah, you guys came back bigger than better than ever. I, Apart, away from the Australian stuff, you've obviously um, been part of that New South Wales side you touched on earlier, and you've won 11 straight national titles with that side. Like, That is just one of the top records probably in any sport in Australia. Like, How special is to be part of that? No, yeah, it's, it's very special.
1: I don't know. It's, it's a good culture to be a part of, and we all push each other to, to get better. Um, 11 straight just goes to show we're, we're a bit of a coffee Team, uh, it comes with it comes with the the results, the results speak for themselves. We um, we we fill out like most of the Paris squad at the moment. Um the starting seven in, in the uh obviously CP football is seventh side, not eleven. Yeah. So the starting seven in the South Wales team would make a very strong starting seven in the Paris team. And uh it's just we've we've grown all our players within the squad. Most of the players that are currently in the squad started over six, seven years ago, and we just keep getting stronger. And I can't see, I reckon we'll crack 20. Good call, but I reckon it's
0: definitely. Wow. Who's who's the biggest threat?
1: So, oh, it's weird. Like, different states seem to pop up in different years. But like this year it was WA did really well.
0: They, they kind of matched us for the first 20 seconds of the final, and we scored, and then we scored three minutes later. 20 seconds? <laughs>
1: it was. Uh, it was was pretty dominant. Uh, the year before with Victoria. Um, you can tell him my voice. We're very arrogant. Yeah. But, uh,
0: um, we're pretty good. I think you can. I think you can be if you went eleven straight. Um, yeah. One of your like it's also the it's also the fact that we 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 remind ourselves that we're the working state. Yep. So and we don't sort of
1: rest on our laurels. We we try and push to get better every year. And every year we do get better, like we scored 55 goals for, and i conceded two. Um, I think the two were just from mistakes on our part. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a culture of just hard work and, and pushing each other to, to get better. And yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting team, a good culture to be a part of.
0: You mentioned the hard work, like that sort of stems into your life motto, which is effort equals success. Talk us through where this sort of comes from.
1: based on talent, and as I mentioned earlier, when I got the call about the Army Strength in 2007, it made me realise, oh, it, it was getting the call up to the Canada Tour, the Canada, um, to it following year, that made me realise that the more effort I put in, the more success I would get, and that was just, I sort of applied that to soccer, and obviously, and obviously, but it, it's worked out pretty well, When I've applied a very similar... My formula for the rest of my life. and If I know that I'm the hardest working person in the room, um, um, everything else will sort of take care of itself. So, which is a good and a bad thing. It makes me set unrealistic expectations at times. But uh, I think that the, the, the world's my oyster and I can achieve whatever I want to achieve, regardless of whether I've got CP or not. Like most of, I'm now able to. I play at a fairly high level in able body soccer, and that's purely because I put in effort. I'm in the gym most mornings, I'm running most mornings, and I can lift just as much as an able body person. And it's, it's just a reinforcement every day that I see that I'm getting better, I'm getting better, I'm getting better.
0: In every sport, you always see the hardest worker uh, usually gets the success. And I like that you keep setting, you say, unrealistic goals, but there's no point setting goals that you know you're going to achieve. Like, you want to keep pushing yourself to a new level, and I just think that's a fantastic mindset you have. Yeah, and I uh, definitely agree. You. And you, you, you mentioned, like, the younger guys. Now they're one of the veterans of the Pararoos. It's, how good is it sort of to transition into that mentoring role now?
1: It and they start to believe in their own in their own skills and seeing the kids the younger, kids, I call kids now, I've seen younger guys come into the team and make the make the score to begin with and then make the starting seven and then start to score goals for Australia it just gives them tingles and it's, it's so rewarding knowing that I've had just a small part of playing in their, in their success or in their uh, journey
0: what it's very special. I think that's just a, the sign of a good team that you guys obviously you want to succeed personally but you you want to succeed as a, a unit and I think all that you guys have been through or well, you personally over the best part of 10 years and then as the team like we mentioned with the funding up and down the last 3 or 4 years like I just think you guys are so good as a unit and I just think wherever you guys are going to go in the future I just think you're going to do it as one yeah and we like you mentioned before, everybody has their own issues and problems. And luckily, we
1: found a, a core, a core, a core uh, thing that brings us together. Mm. Um, and, and we, none of us really. And I was only talking to a teammate the other day, sort of asking the question: Do you see, like, do you think of several qualities and insecurity? And he he falls on the spectrum, like the more severe be of the spectrum. And he said, no, like he. He's killing it in life. He's got a really good career, and he's doing well in football. And CP just doesn't enter the the, enter the conversation as something that he is concerned about. And I think that's for sort of most of your players. And even when we're now starting a, a women's side, and it's the girls sort of just flourish in the program, it just goes to show like you you put in effort and you you surround yourself in a good culture, and makes a it difference. It's just I suppose it's just getting yourself around good, positive people, regardless of whether you've got CP or whether, whether you're done, if it's the two you surround yourself with that makes all the difference. Oh,
0: absolutely. And it's so great that you guys aren't letting the fact that you do have CP define you. Mm.
1: No, honestly, man, I think CP is my best attribute and my biggest advantage in life. Like, I've only had half, probably 90% of the opportunities I have today if it wasn't for CP. Like, I wouldn't be on the, the famous podcast now. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, it's, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Well, you would have travelled
0: nice the Yeah, you, you go. No, I was just going to say it's a thing. Like, in the past, when I was a kid, I used to hate my business. And I used to think that it was
1: the worst thing to ever happen now. Like, it's just... It's how you view yourself that makes
0: all the difference. Well, it's it's been a vehicle for you to travel the world playing sport that you love, like... It's a dream of every kid growing up.
1: Yeah, yeah and I'm being very lucky. I suppose it's, it's luck, but it's opportunistic. Like, I put myself in those positions to take advantage of those opportunities. I don't know if I if I still have the same opinion of myself as it was the Paracruz, but I don't know, I'd hope to think so. I'd, uh, I can't really say, but I'm um, definitely a vehicle for, for, my, for my... I suppose being able to live out my dreams
0: Still, more dreams to come. No doubt. Um, so a couple of quick hitters, why did do you, do you choose the number 27? 27, 27 was my, I was the 20, I don't know how to put it, I was the 27th player to play for Paris. And you, um, and you just chose that number and stuck with it? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Right. Pretty much. I, I, I wear the 9 just, but um, yeah, twenty seven 27th looks important
1: because of the 27th player to, to don the green and gold.
0: And then, what, so why did you choose the number nine then? Um, I
1: think I saw myself as a striker. <laughs> Even though <laughs> the time I, I played like 40 games and started to of a sort of goal, I thought maybe if I wore the number nine jersey, things would change. It, it didn't. It so <laughs> pushed me back and back further back in the pitch. So I'm hoping one day it would give me the shot to play up front. Um, it is weird when you, you see a fullback like wearing number
0: nine. Oh, too funny. Um... You've played all around the world. What's your favourite ground to play at?
1: Favourite ground to play at? I've been to some weird grounds. Well, not weird grounds. That's a bit politically incorrect. But I went to Iran last year for a a tournament, uh, which was a bit of an eye-opening experience. Uh, And Ukraine was a bit of an interesting pitch. It was just super hot over there. It was was actually (laughs) this... They are this complex which they
0: said it was a an old children's facility but it
1: looked like a jail. It was weird. Wow. It was, yeah, it was super intense. Um, who's
0: the, the toughest who's the toughest opponent you've had to sort of take on? You mentioned like some of those big boys you've played against. Is there always one team you're like, oh these guys are gonna give it to us today? I think they earned about 200k. Wow! Um, yeah, so they did years the A-League teams are off their money. I think they played a they played a team uh, a Champions League team in the seven aside format and had a two all draw. Like wow! Was an unbelievable game.
1: freak. So going up against Russia always fun.
0: Has it um, has playing overseas and like? Getting paid ever been like an opportunity or op- option or something you wanted to pursue? It, not for me. I think I'm driven by a few other things. Uh, it, it, maybe as a teenager it is,
1: but David Barber, who's uh, the 85 year old captain, yeah. he was he was offered a, a paid contract when he was in his early 20s. So he not take it up, but. Um, it
0: would, it would be nice to be a paid professional footballer, but I've uh, got a lot of things that I'd like to achieve. So, yeah, I'm happy to do that, Who's the best teammate you've played with in the Paroos? The best teammate? Yeah, the most skillful, like, oh, he's just my favourite teammate to play with. Uh oh, there's a few very skilled players over the years. Um,
1: probably... Probably a young Jack Williams who we lived together for a number of years and we just had this level of quality from a skilled player but we just linked really well together on the field. Yep. We just knew where each other was on the field and when soon as each other, each of us got the ball, we just knew how to find each other. Um, most skilled player I don't want to sort of give too much away because people are uh, a bit disappointed that I didn't mention it. <laughs> um, Chris Pine, in the, for the reason, he wasn't the greatest player on the field,
0: but he recently made the transition into goals because he wasn't getting much time on the field. Yeah. And to transition into goals
1: when you're 35, 36 and become one of the best players in the world at goalkeeper was, was unbelievable. Like he, he almost won a quarter game games in Spain. And uh, we were Ukraine and For the first 25 minutes, we we kept a kill and a big part of it was because of his performance in there. And I've I've never seen somebody be able to transition to such a different position and,
0: and do it so well. Well you wouldn't see that in uh, regular football, someone go from uh, a field player to the goalie, yeah. so that's fantastic.
1: Yeah,
0: well, he wasn't the greatest outfield player, so he probably had to make the switch but... <laughs> <laughs> he did well. Growing up, who was sorta of your idol? Um
1: Within the Paris, uh environment, or Chris Pine and David Barber and Dan mm-hmm. uh, Roach, they they seemed to have life sorted and knew where they were going in life, and I I modelled my life off them, and I've been very happy since doing that. It's something um, very interesting, very good opportunity. Just yeah, they, they just showed me that CP didn't have to be a bad thing. And although it took me a long time to, to realize that and to realize them, like, just little things, like, they showed just through what they did that you could actually go and talk skills even though you had a disability, which in my mind at the time, when I was 13 or 14, just didn't seem comprehensible. But, uh, yeah, it was just the life lessons I learned from those three that had made all the difference. I've been mean, lucky enough to play a lot of games with them. Do
0: you think those three had probably the biggest influence that anyone sort of had on your footballing career or was there a coach in junior years that had a big influence? I think my junior coaches had a, had a massive influence in the opposite way.
1: So I think, there were a few years where I didn't start that many games Yep. and that sort of drove me to uh, become a better footballer which I, I look back now as I've yeah, Paul Brown was the head coach of the for a number of years, and he was a real hard bloke. Like he he, he was a nice enough bloke he was a disciplinarian, and I really learned a lot playing under him. Even though at times I didn't enjoy it, uh, he'd always push you harder and try and make. He yeah, I think he saw the best in me when I didn't, and. Uh, Maybe I interpreted
0: it wrong back then, but looking back, it sort of definitely set the foundation for who become the player I am today. So, what's next for
1: you on the um, field, Betty? It's a very um, timely question. We've recently found out that we have Canada flying over for a special match, exhibition match, which will be the first official home game we played in 2000. So, um, Look, it's it's going to be special being able to play in front of friends and family. Um, I think the game's locked in for Chroma Park, which is in North Sydney, on the 30th of uh, November at about five thirty. So we're hoping a lot of people can come come along and support us. You know, it'll be our first home game, first home, official home game in almost twenty years. Um, our hope, and it's a bit of a, it might be a bit of a stretch, but. There's no good setting low low goals. But our hope is to try and get more people to Chroma Park, which I think is the highest attendance at Chroma Park is two thousand three hundred. So our hope is to try and smash uh, that attendance record and see if we can get a bit of a hope that going. we can enjoy <coughs> enjoy the game and see how how we go against one of the better countries in the world.
0: Absolutely, like I can't see why you can't eclipse that mark. You think with the, the success that you guys have shown over the best part of the 12 to 18 months, then it's obviously really special for you to, this will be your first ever home game, won't it? Yeah, my first ever official home
1: game, especially in, in my home, home state, home home, uh, where I'm currently living in Sydney, it's,
0: uh, it's, it's gonna be, it's nerve wracking, but so it's gonna be pretty special. Oh, it's, it's gonna be unbelievable. and It's, it's so good that they finally brought a game to the home soil, because we've talked about it in the podcast earlier, but how many like every time you play, you're playing away from home, and obviously that takes its toll. But to, like you said, to do it in front of your friends and family is just going to be absolutely sensational. One hundred percent, and it's more than that. There's been a lot of people that helped me get
1: to where I am today, and in a small way, I'm able to sort of give back to them and show them what what those sacrificing and the, the time investment to get to this point that's created, and it just goes to show the FFA are really supporting us in what we're trying to achieve, both on and off the field. And the ability to, for the young kids come through that were kind of where I was back when I was between eight 13, 14, to see in real life uh, some of the best CP people in Australia, and if not the world, compete on the world stage against very strong Canadian opponents. So apart from that, which that'll be probably the biggest news in the last 15 to 20 years, Paraly- Paraly- Paralympic football anyway. Um, we go to, next year we've got another tournament back in Spain, uh, a bit of a tournament. That we finished eleventh this year, so the bottom eight teams from that tournament playing a tournament in Spain next year. So that'll be like a World Championship score for us. Cool. Um, Other
0: than
1: that, that's basically the main focus of is-
0: Awesome, so future goals, we touched on the 100 games, the captaincy, what are some other um, goals for you on the football field before you hang up the boots?
1: Um, there's a, there's two, two main ones. I think it's, it's setting a platform for, for the young players coming through to, to know that like, I'm the perfect example. I was not a good player growing up. I still am not a good player but I was a player that would work harder than anybody else. And I hope that I, I'm sort of driven to achieve more. I'm, I'm getting more successful as my career goes on. And I'm hoping that that success will hopefully, a bit, it might be egotistical, but hopefully will inspire the next, another few, a couple of players, if not one or two players, just to realise that they don't have to be the best players. They just say, they, they put in the work, they can
0: they can achieve what they want to achieve. Absolutely, your story is inspirational, mate. Like I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat, and I thoroughly enjoy doing all the stories and covering you guys whenever you take to no, the you're field. A pleasure, mate. Um, but awesome! Thanks, thanks so much for your time, Benny. No. Um, you have a good one, Bye. Yes, mate. Bye. And thanks, guys, for listening to another edition of the podcast. Good luck to the Pararoos in their upcoming game against Canada, and keep an eye for the next podcast, guys. Cheers.